Dish TV is better than cable TV. Why? Because you can save 45% on packages compared to your high-priced cable bill. Wow. Take those giant scissors out and cut the cable and save with Dish TV. Plus, you get a free DVR upgrade to record your favorite shows and free installation. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch TV for free on your mobile device. Act fast. You can save hundreds of dollars. Does your cable company do that for you? Get all the best TV programming at your fingertips at a fraction of the price of cable TV. So say adios, arrivederci, goodbye to the high cable bill, and save up to 45% on Dish TV packages today. These are limited time offers and can change at any time. Call fast. 800-405-2561. 800-405-2561. 800-405-2561. That's 800-405-2561. Is it time? Let's do this. It's time for Real Golf Radio, the longest-running nationally syndicated golf show in the country. With insights and experience of professional golfer Bob Casper, son of Hall of Famer Billy Casper, and the passion and, uh, well, fun of Brian Taylor. Nice. Here they are, the hosts of Real Golf Radio, Brian and Bob. And welcome into another edition of Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper with you. Thanks so much for joining us each and every week. Again, the website, realgolfradio.com. Twitter handle is at realgolf. And uh, we appreciate you being with us. And however you're accessing the show, podcast or sites, live on one of our affiliate radio stations. Or, again, just thanks for being with us. Uh, got a great show for you today. And uh, really looking forward to our guest lineup, including Jeff Rude, who is a longtime golf writer, currently writes for Morning Read and does a podcast. Podcast. You can find it on iTunes or on the Morning Read website with uh, John Hawkins, another longtime golf writer. Hawk and Rude podcast. Looking forward to welcoming our good friend Jeff Rude to the program. This is a guy that's covered over 100 major championships in his career, including 82 in a row. And I think he likes that 82 number, Bob, because, you know, that was Sam Sneed's number of wins. And so while yeah. Tiger's chasing 82, there's not, I don't think there's even probably a possibility that many golf writers would have an opportunity to chase 82 consecutive majors covered. That's pretty amazing stuff. Pretty awesome. He's a, he's a great guy. He's fun to, fun to listen to, fun to read his, his stuff. And, and, uh, I've been around him a lot, been around him with in Morocco and, and some of the other places around the country and in golf events, uh, Jeff's a good guy. Yeah, he's a really good insight as well. So we look forward to talking to Jeff about his career, some of the things that he remembers, including some uh, precious memories with Byron Nelson from his days working in the Dallas Morning News. We'll hear that conversation. And as we visit with him, it kind of brought up a, a conversation that we had with Byron Nelson back in the day as well and only felt it appropriate that we bring it back out. It's Houston this week. I get it. It's not the Byron Nelson but still felt like it was appropriate here in our 20th year of the show. One of our all-time favorites, if not right there at the top, favorite interview that we've ever done with Lord Byron Nelson shortly before his passing and really talks about some great stuff, how, how the Byron Nelson tournament began, how uh, he, you know he went on that streak of 11 in a row and 18 wins in a season. He set it all up for us, just really tremendous stuff. So Byron Nelson, our conversation with him from back in the day, our conversation with Jeff Rude, plus a America's favorite caddy coming up later here in our number one caddy getting some media love 
and maybe some insights into who is America's favorite caddy and his profession and how he helps the best players in the world, not just his own player, but the best players in the world each and every week on the PGA Tour. You'll have all of that coming up. Plus, we always love talking Ryder Cup. We're going to delve into that. And how tough is it to replace a three-wood? Henrik Stenson, we feel you. It's all coming up as we continue here on another edition of Real Golf Radio. You love crushing the long ball. Well, so do the pros. That's why they play Callaway. And that's why Callaway is now the number one driver on major tours worldwide. Led by the Epic Flash, with Flash Face technology, Callaway used artificial intelligence to completely maximize distance and deliver ball speed you didn't even know was possible. Basically, they used crazy science to solve very important things like hitting more bombs. What a world. Go own the tee box like the pros. Build your epic flash driver today at CallawayGolf.com. Golf course superintendents are the unsung heroes of our great game. Due to the game's efforts, we now have turf that needs less water, courses that are more sustainable, with many now offering natural wildlife habitats. From the days of old Tom Morris, golf course superintendents have given golfers a reason to love this great game. But don't take my word for it. Jack Nicholas agrees. If you love golf like I do, thank a golf course superintendent. A message from the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America and local superintendents everywhere. What kind of golf ball are you playing? The one you've always played or the one that can actually help you perform better? Because Chrome Soft is the only ball with a graphene-infused dual soft fast core to give you the unheard of combination of crazy long distance that's also incredibly soft. It's why tour guys like Phil Mickelson, Xander Shoffley, and Francesco Molinari keep winning with it. And now Chrome Soft X is available with triple track technology for improved alignment. Get the ball that changed the ball today at CallawayGolf.com. The new OGO Alpha Convoy golf bags set a new standard for what cart bags should be. The new OGO Shadow Fuse 304 stand bag is ultra sleek, but there's nothing simple about it. The OGO Alpha is inspired by tactical military gear and high-performance equipment from the outdoor industry. While the Shadow's integrated design and finest performance materials work seamlessly to deliver absolute efficiency for unmatched performance. Both are in stores now or check it out at OGO.com. This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant. Game changers, even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts. And I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts. No more solution. No no more glasses. Instantly, I could see. There was no pain. It was so easy, and it worked. My only regret was waiting so long. Hoops Vision is world-renowned, and with the latest technology, they give you more options than ever. Do yourself a favor. Go to HoopsVision.com right now and schedule your free consultation. And mention Real Golf Radio and save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Hoops Vision is your key to making sure nothing gets between you and your life focus. It's one of those moments you'll always remember. Now back to Real Golf Radio with Brian and Bob. 
Welcome back in. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper. Thanks for joining us here on Real Golf Radio, brought to you in part by Callaway Golf and the Apex Irons, the redefine player's irons. Unmatched feel, distance, and control have been forged to perfection to deliver category-defining performance. Apex Irons are the ultimate forged player's distance iron. Let me tell you something. I went from playing blades last year to switching to the Apex Pros this year. Smoke finish which is just absolutely beautiful to look at. You absolutely. like that smoke finish. Oh, I, I love the smoke finish. And I'll tell you what, the distance, it, it, it is correct. From my blades to the new Apex Pro Irons, I have uh-huh. absolutely gained some distance. About a half a club for me. Been playing it all year, and the feel is right in line with those blades. I mean, it's tremendous, the forged feel that it has. And, of course, Callaway's 360 face cups generate industry-leading distance. That's where it comes from. That's your unmatched feel, and it will get your attention. If you haven't tried it or if you're still in the market, I'll tell you what, you need to give it a shot. Go to CallawayGolf.com and see what makes Callaway the number one irons in golf. Um, so, yeah, it's just you, – you got the – what do they call it, the Tour Satin? or I got the regular, the regular finish, the Tour Satin. Which Pretty is sweet. which? Are, they're absolutely beautiful. They're like, you know, they're like gems almost. I mean, they're really mm-hmm. just gorgeous irons. But it's that time of year, you know, when you've you've played. You know, you're kind of looking around and uh, had had some guys talking to me just the other day, and it, you pull those irons out of my bag. They just absolutely are gorgeous. They're 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 tremendous irons. So Callaway's done a fantastic job. Check them out, CallawayGolf.com. All right, Bob. There's a lot to get to this week. Um, I mentioned in the open, we feel Henrik Stenson. Man, that guy that guy <laughs> lost his three-wood. I don't know why three-woods are so difficult to replace. I, I know the feeling. I played a particular three-wood for years, and I never wanted to replace it because it was my go-to club. Yeah. But when you do replace it and you find it, I mean, there are advancements in technology and things that happen all the time um, where you can gain some, some additional control or distance or ball flight or things like that and so it's not like they're making clubs that are worse than the previous clubs they had made right but there's just something isn't that something funny about a guy when if you get a feel of a particular club you just don't want to let it go and even if it is the exact replica remember kenny perry years ago when his driver Mm -hmm. broke and he was on fire they made him the exact same one and he just it just was not it wasn't the same and he struggled you know, it's interesting, uh, like you were saying, and the, a golf club that just y- you just have confidence with it every time you put it in your hand, you go to try to hit it, uh, it matches up correctly and perfectly with the way it's put together with uh, the gram weights of the shaft, the gram weights of the head, uh, the grip, everything, and it becomes a, a, an extremely good go-to club. I mean, Henrik Stenson with that three-wood – I mean, that three was like eight, nine years old. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he ended up caving in the face. Um, so that was the problem with it. But but How many thousands wood, of shots do you think he actually hit with that three-wood before it finally gave in over nine years? So many, so many. I, I, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't even venture to guess on the amount of uh, shots he hit with that golf club. But what I was saying is that, you know, that golf club is something he, he could hit 280, 300 yards off the tee. Three wood. He didn't, he, he didn't always have to hit driver. Um, in fact, his driver a lot of the time was going shorter than his three wood. So that's why he would hit three wood. And uh, it, it was just, it was point and shoot. And so when you've got a club like that in your bag, 
especially it's it's just really tough to get rid of something like that. Yeah, I think that's a really great analysis. I mean, you think of Henrik Stenson, you think of that three wood and, you know, to be without it, he even joked, you know, would he, someone asked him, would you rather give up your wife or your three wood? And he just kind of, you know, it, Henrik Stenson's a funny guy. And he just like, yeah, my wife, I'd rather <laughs> give up my wife. He's like, and she's asleep, so she won't, I'll be safe for a few hours before this gets aired, you know? Um, so, I mean, look, he, you know, obviously he's, he jests, but it's, uh, he's a funny guy, but it's a serious thing. I mean, to have a club that you just know is your go-to and, and you, you aren't sure what you're yep. going to do with it, well, that, that changes things up. And look, even the shafts, not necessarily just the head, but the shaft, you mm-hmm. know, that particular shaft, just the way it was made up, uh, you exactly. know, might have just been what he needed to do. And may, maybe they threw the same shaft back in there. Who knows? But anyway. Well, tolerances are such that, you know, like you said, you can make a replica club, but it just isn't the same. Even if you tell them it's the same, it's not. Yep, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's funny. Hey, you know, the other interesting thing to bring up. So anyway, we feel you, Henry, Henrik, so we wish you the best, man. Uh, get that uh, get that thing figured out. The Epic Flash 3 has been really good to me this year, by the way, and that's what he's got in the bag. So uh, my guess is, is if I can hit it well, Henrik can figure out how to hit it well. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, you think he's got a little bit more talent? Oh, in his little finger. Yeah, he's got more talent than I have. Uh, but, you know, the other thing is, is that's interesting is we kind of look towards the President's Cup. We're probably about, what, two, two and a half, three weeks away from announcement of, of captain's picks. Correct. And there's been a lot of articles that have been written and leading up to a one year of the Ryder Cup. We talked about that as well. And it, I even went back a year ago and, and read about some of the things that were said about this Ryder Cup team that lost in Italy uh, last year and – or, or – France, sorry, in, in Paris, and I, and I, I thought about you know what is it that, that that caused this? And one of the things they talked about was fatigue factor, the fact that so many of the American team came right off of the Tour Championship, flew across seas, and had to you know try to gather themselves, especially the older guys. I mean, Phil and Tiger were blanked, uh, and both of those guys playing the Tour Championship. Tiger having just won the Tour Championship and all that it took out of him for that. So that was one of the factors that was mentioned in this Golf Digest article I was reading from a year ago. And then you look at Tiger makes the announcement of his field coming up the week before the President's Cup. And the President's Cup isn't like flying to Paris. You're flying down under. I mean, this is a much longer. You're flying flying across country from the Bahamas, and then you're flying another 13 or however many hours to The other side of the world, yeah. So, yeah. My my question to you is, and quite frankly, I don't even know if anybody cares if the U.S. loses the President's Cup team. I know you're going to get on me for saying that, but it almost would keep that thing relevant. But regardless, I, it's not the same feeling. Like I, I would trade it right now. I'll take a loss in Australia for a win in Wisconsin. I'll take it right now, 100% straight up, done. But I would too. The point is... Is there a concern there on the fatigue factor? I mean, do you find it surprising that so many of the U.S. President's Cuppers will be playing in the Bahamas the week before the President's Cup? Well, um, all eight of them are playing in the Bahamas the week before the President's Cup. The thing that they are doing is they're adjusting the schedule of the event, and uh, the final round will be finishing on Saturday to accommodate the travel but still, you know, it's going to take a few hours for them to catch up um, or a few days, excuse me, for them to catch up. But but the the eight players who have already made the team, as we know, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, Webb Simpson, Matt Kuchar and Bryson DeChambeau. The only one who 
who is a qualifier, is is the world's number one Brooks Kepka. He's not playing. Rory McIlroy is not playing. Um, but other guys that that will be playing from the U.S. squad, 14 of the 16 right now, um, or the potential U.S. squad would be Tony Finau, Patrick Reed, Ricky Fowler, Bubba Watson, Kevin Kistner, and Gary Woodland. Those guys are looking for one of the four picks um, to be able to play on that team in Australia. So is Patrick Reed in or not? You mentioned him on both. He's lists. not in. Oh, okay. You mentioned he's not him. in. You mentioned him twice, so that's why I wanted to make sure. So so Reed's not in, and Gary no, Woodland. Patrick Cantley. Oh, Cantley. Okay. Yeah. Um, Gary Woodland won the U.S. Open, the year uh-huh. of a President's Cup, and he's not in. He's not in. He's not he an automatic. Have enough points right now. Interesting to get in. I'd be surprised if Tiger left him off the list, reigning U.S. Open champ. Yeah, I mean Tiger's got he's got a good stable of guys that he can that he can uh, try and get on the team right now. You know, Tony's number nine, and Patrick Reed's right there. Ricky Fowler, those guys have have success. Kisner has has not played. You know, he would be a great pick. Also, Gary Woodland. Um, Put Kiz so, on the team, we'll man. Put him on there. I want to see Kisner in there. I think that guy's a good cupper. When you talk about good cuppers, I think he's a good cupper. Put him on both teams. I like Kiz. He's a bulldog. He's that old Raymond Floyd kind of cloth, right? I mean, just go out there, hit it straight, get it done, beat somebody, which is what we need to have happen in Wisconsin next year as well. And Australia, trying not to put the President's Cup down. We do want to win that, of course. But, man, we want to... We want to win that Ryder Cup uh, coming up next year. All right, we're uh, going to take a short break. When we come back, Caddy is going to join us. And the man getting some press. He's very talented. Yeah, sure, he's been the caddy on this show for some 20 years. But he does much more than that. You'll hear about it coming up next right here on Real Golf Radio. Hi, it's Ned Siegfried. Siegfried & Jensen has been around a long time. We've been handling injury cases for over 30 years. During this time, Siegfried & Jensen has had the privilege of helping tens of thousands of Utahns. If you've had the misfortune of being injured in an accident, we'd love to help you as well. To talk to us for free about your situation, call us at 801-222-2222 or visit us at SiegfriedJensen.com. I'm Bob Casper with the Casby Real Estate Group, where we have more than 40 years of combined real estate experience in Utah. We understand that the way people buy and sell is rapidly changing, and life's biggest moves can be a stressful experience. At the Casby Real Estate Group, we provide cutting-edge technology, innovative marketing strategies, and skilled negotiation to help you reach your goals. We care about what you care about, and our most important partnership is with you. That's why I'm with Casby Real Estate Group at iPro Realty Network, where we pride ourselves on life's biggest moves simplified. Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. 
This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant. Game changers, even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts. And I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts. No more solution. No more glasses. Instantly, I could see. There was no pain. It was so easy, and it worked. My only regret was waiting so long. Hoops Vision is world-renowned, and with the latest technology, they give you more options than ever. Do yourself a favor. Go to HoopsVision.com right now and schedule your free consultation. And mention Real Golf Radio and save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Hoops Vision is your key to making sure nothing gets between you and your life focus. It's one of those moments you'll always remember. Tee it up at Uinta Golf with the new arrivals from Cleveland Golf. Turbocharge your game with the new Cleveland Launcher HB Turbo Driver that delivers more speed for higher, longer, and straighter drives. And the Launcher HB Turbo Irons, which deliver maximum forgiveness, higher trajectory, and increased ball speed for more accurate and longer shots. And the Launcher UHX Irons deliver the perfect blend of distance and accuracy. Let us help you get custom fit for free today at Uinta Golf, home of the 90-day 100% satisfaction guarantee. Now back to Real Golf Radio, talking golf back when 300-yard drives were big. For real, here's Brian and Bob. Welcome back, Real Golf Radio, Brian and Bob. Thanks for joining us here on the show. Again, the website, realgolfradio.com. Twitter handle, at realgolf. Give us a follow. Love to have you aboard. Join the conversation. You can listen to any of the segments and the shows in, its in, in their entirety as well. Right there by following us on Twitter, at realgolf. And as we do each and every week, it's time for America's favorite caddy. There are bag rats. And then there are caddies. Baby. Pro jocks who are legends in caddy shacks across the PGA Tour. We can neither confirm nor deny the existence of this legendary looper. Here he is, the caddy on Real Golf Radio. Oh, it's that famous music you all love and enjoy each and every week on Real Golf Radio. America's favorite caddy, our guest. Caddy, what's happening, man? Oh, got a little snow the other day. Snow. That's not a good sign. It's the sign of what's to come. But you know, fortunately, I know you're probably in that Colorado area. Uh, we are not seeing snow down here in Utah yet, but uh, it's reminding us temperature-wise that it's not far behind. It's starting to get there, but we still have a number of all next week. It's going to be 65 and perfect. Exactly. Great time like to play that. some golf. Gotta love it. So, Caddy, I, I'm wondering if it's time to further reveal your identity based on the Whoa. fact that you showed up in another Don't publication. Do Don't do it. Don't? Don't do I can't it. I deny the accuracy of any of the information our listeners or our viewers are about to receive. <laughs> do we have viewers? We have, we've been accused of having viewers, um, readers, uh, all, all kinds of different things. When in fact, people are in are listening. Actually, not uh, doing any of those other things. But yeah. But if you're looking at the radio and listening, you're viewing. Oh, so. you're, you're, 
You're viewing something. I guess I suppose you're viewing the road as you're driving right now listening. But I don't know. What do you think? Uh, do we do? Well, maybe we don't have to fully reveal. But if those that want to go find the story, they can go find the story. I'll, I won't even say where. But there was a story written about America's favorite caddy. And I think those that have been listening long enough recognize that the caddy is involved in creating the yardage books for the tour players. Correct. Out there each and every week for their tournaments. And I thought it was a great article. That's the only reason I wanted to bring it up because I feel like it's only appropriate that we give you your due. I mean, you really took something that George, what they call him, Gorgeous George? Yep. That he started, but you really took it to the next level. So, I mean, hats off, man. I thought it was really cool. Well, somebody has to take care of all those millionaires. And I'm just talking about the caddies. <laughs> you, you'd think we set him up with that, but honestly, we didn't. So, no, we didn't. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about it. I think it's, look, man, you hold the keys to the inside on all this stuff. Everybody sees these players and caddies with the yardage books coming out of their pocket late in the round and what have you. What, tell us the, the inside scoop. What's the behind the scenes? How does that all work? I mean, do, do they literally get new yardage books every week? Is this something that players hang on to year over year? Tell us a little bit about the process. So the, the yardage books are new every week. Uh, there's, even if a course, quote-unquote, doesn't change, it actually does by our standards of what a change means, which may not be much of a change. Maybe they move to 150 plate a little bit, but we need to know that because we're getting a yardage off it. And maybe a tree went down that we used as a target, and we want to know that. So basically they're getting a fresh look of current information when they go out there. The caddies tend to keep all their books because they put notes in them as they go along. And they'll often take a brand new book, but use last year's book because they'll just review it, see if something changed, and then maybe pencil it in if they need to because they have notes. Now, this year is a little different because of the USGA specs, et cetera. Everybody's pretty much just using a brand new book this year and starting, kind of starting from scratch. Although I have known caddies who carry three or four yardage books in their bib with them during a round from previous years that have different notes on different holes, believe it or not. Uh, players, on the other hand, most of them probably just toss it when they're done. Use it for the week, and then I'm done. I'm not going to use that again. Now, there are some exceptions. There's some players who are very meticulous about things. Camilo Vijegas probably leads, leads the pack. Uh, his his notes and his yardage books are, are just, if you ever get a chance to, to uh, to see it, you got to take a look at it. It's pretty impressive. So, That's so about. what type of notes? What 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 would be the notes that the caddy or or player would write in their book? So they might want to add something extra on a tee shot line for their player. Uh, Teddy Scott, who works for Bubba Watson, might have some tee shot line you couldn't imagine taking, but Bubba can do it, <laughs> uh, right? And and uh, there may be a player who maybe a caddy wants to he he wants to measure to the back part of the green. It wasn't measured in the book, so he goes out there with his gear and he checks it all out and writes those notes in there. Very often, a lot of guys, and a lot of players do this too, will write down a direction a putt broke historically in the book um, to a certain pin placement. This putt broke more than you thought, or this broke two cups right. Uh, there's a lot of that going on, putt notes in there. Uh, and then, of course, the notes in general, though, during a round, when a player hits a shot, a caddy typically will record how far it was to the front, 
how far it was to the pin, what the wind was doing, whether it was cold or hot, maybe how the player hit or missed it, where the ball landed, and how far it ran out to. And most caddies do all that stuff on every shot their player ever hits for their entire career. So it's pretty good little data collection. That way, you can come back. A player could say to a caddy, what do you like here? And the caddy could tell him. I'll give you a specific example. Um, Hartford Open, 1990. Uh, we're on 17th Sunday, shot over water, front pin. My player's just in the left row, and he's tied for, probably tied for 10th at the time. And so he says, what do you, you like eight iron? And I go, well, in the pro-am on Monday, we hit nine iron from right here. And I showed him the book, same numbers, everything. He says, I guess it's a nine iron. And he pulled it out and hit it a foot from the hole. So that's hard to do when you're going over water, telling the guy to hit less club, but, and giving him confidence in it. But because I could say, well, remember this Monday? And he said, oh, perfect. He was able to make a real confident swing. So that's where the notes come invaluable. You can go back to history. And then sometimes some guys will remember, hey, what did we do here three years ago? Didn't we have the same shot? Let's take a look. And they'll go back and they'll look at the notes from three years ago on Friday. There it is. Six iron. Oh, perfect. Thanks. It's, it's pretty wild when you think about it. So my question is, and I always like to do this, how do you take that application for those that are listening to our show, playing their club every week, playing a particular golf course on a regular basis, or they have an upcoming tournament at a course they're getting ready for? What, what's the takeaway? How, how can they, without maybe the full yardage book that you can provide a tour player, how can they take the lesson that these guys are using to help them in their game and their preparation? Well, the first thing uh, that would come to mind is, uh, don't worry about it. You're not that good. <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there. Uh, no, but seriously, but, but seriously, now that we've lost half our audience. Uh, so just every kind of common sense, there's a landmark over there. There's a bush. You know you always hit an eight iron from that bush, and you can kind of get an idea. Of, and I've hit some good eight irons from there. I know how far that flies. And So you can do – you can use reference points. That's how all the players do this before yardage books. No, nobody was – until Nicholas came along and started doing it, I guess, pacing yardages and writing notes down – everybody would just play rounds and they knew from the frontage of the bunker that a four iron would get just on the green or from that bush over there, it was a wedge uh, to the back pin. And so people would just keep in their mind, what, what have I done in the past from landmarks? So you can use landmarks and just kind of pay attention, pay attention to them. If, if, if I'm talking to you right now about, and you're on your home course and you don't know what you hit from a bush over there on the left side of the hole that you've been by a bunch of times, that you could improve that by paying attention to that and keeping it in your mind because it just helps you make a better club selection. So, of course, nowadays everybody uses rangefinders and lasers and you don't have to judge yardage at all. You get to just have it handed to you. So it's, it's more of a matter of starting to learn how far you hit clubs and knowing your shot patterns and things like that. My dad does that to me every time when I'm playing with him on his course. I go, Dad, how far is it on this? You know, it's like a par three. We get up there. How far is it? And he goes, six iron. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't help me. <laughs> I don't know. You're 68 years old. I don't know how far. That doesn't help me. When you're hitting six, that doesn't do me any good. But Hey, let me ask you this. If, if it, is, range, is a range finder better than a yardage book? And it does it is one of them faster 
for for pace of play? So I'd say at the tour level, a rangefinder is um, probably going to be an extra step to what we do. Uh, if you had one to use, you'd probably use it just to confirm things or this or that. But we use a lot more information than you can get with a rangefinder. A rangefinder is one part of many things we want to know when we hit a golf shot. Uh, one of the things that a rangefinder can help us with, well, it depends on what rangefinder you're talking about, actually. Because some GPS stuff, GPS can do some stuff that lasers can't do, and lasers can do some stuff that GPS can't do. So you'd almost need to combine them together to have the ultimate thing. Uh, but that's at the tour level. At the at the club level, I would think a rangefinder would absolutely speed up play, probably more than a yardage book would speed up play because it's giving you – a yardage book, you're always looking for a reference point, and you have to pace off from a reference point. And there's only so many hard – reference points you can put in a on a piece of paper whereas a rangefinder works from anywhere um yes most of the time i there's certainly times when you can't hit the pin with a laser because a tree's in your way or tree tree branches and leaves or you can't see it or it's foggy or it's misty and it won't shoot the pin and a gps might not work when you get in tree cover or in a canyon or in some environmental situations but in general they'll give you a, a whole lot of information from everywhere. So they're just different instruments. Um, some people, I, I guess it's what you work with most of the time that you're going to prefer. So, so I can remember when we were out on tour, um, caddying and that kind of thing. Um, the books were almost hand drawn. Now they aren't, you do, you use a, like a CAD cam system, you use uh, surveying equipment, that kind of thing. That's quite a process. Yeah, there, there are, so of, of the guys who make yardage books around the world, there are um, really only two of us that I'm really aware of who are not hand-drawing. Um, at, well, actually, actually, I may be the only one who's actually drawing to scale, or, and I don't want to say drawing, producing to scale. Um, pretty much everybody else is still hand-drawing or tracing on a Google Earth image. Uh, or drawing things out of scale um, to some degree. Um, parts of their books might be in scale. The greens might be in scale, things like that. But yeah, I, all my data is is brought in, in in technical ways with surveying equipment that's very precise through CAD programs, things, things like that. So when you look at one of my books and you look at a green shape or you look at a fairway shape, that is what it is. It's not distorted at all. You can actually go in the book, take a ruler, and measure from here to there with a ruler, an engineering ruler that's really accurate and fine. And, and, and if you know the scale of that drawing, you can measure that distance very precisely in the book itself. So it's all to scale. Let's put it that way. Within a half an inch, right? Well, that. That gets into an esoteric discussion of accuracy. Um, <laughs> there's a difference. There's a difference between instrument accuracy and end product accuracy and mapping accuracy. Just because my instrument, if, if I have a golf club, if I have a golf club that's capable of hitting a ball 300 yards, my ability to use it to hit it 300 yards depends on operator ability, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. I can take a very accurate surveying instrument and use it sloppily and get a foot of accuracy with a half an inch instrument, right? 
I, if I just don't do it well. So there's instrument accuracy and there's kind of effective end of product accuracy. But to cut to the chase, yeah, it's really close. What Caddy's saying is he's really good. That's he's what he's saying. Really good. He's really good. Yeah. So let me ask well, you a question he, he, about the greens books and and the USGA, um, that kind of thing. What what was the ruling change from last year to this year, and why why did they come about with that ruling change? So the ruling was simply a limit on the size and scale of a green drawing. There was no limit prior to this. You could make it as big as you wanted, which enabled you to show incredible detail for small distances on breaks of putts, other kinds of information. The USGA basically limited the size, the scale of a green. It can only it can be no larger than one four eightieth of actual size. I believe the purpose behind that was to allow a certain degree or level of detail, but not so much that it took away a lot of green reading skill. I think that was the basic thought thought behind it. And they had some very interesting issues to deal with on, on how to achieve what they wanted to do. And the scaling solution that they came up with, I think was very, very well thought out and pretty effective. I've, I've had some caddies and players tell me, oh, it doesn't matter. We can still get all the same stuff we used to. And I've had a couple guys tell me, I can't use them anymore. So I think, I think they did a pretty good – I think they're probably pretty happy with uh, the information that you can get out of it now. Um, now, whether – they've also made it very clear that this is an ongoing process. It's not set in stone yet. They may change their – uh, parameters and things like that. So we'll see. Haven't heard anything lately about any changes impending, but um, they, you know, I don't think uh, that, that I'm necessarily on their speed dial either. So we'll we'll see if they uh, make any 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 uh, adjustments to it. Nobody knows. All right. Well, there he is. That's the right there. The the man behind the technology, helping the guys, the best players in the world, with uh, really precise decisions. And uh, as you said in that article, man, uh, one you know one one putt on the weekend pay for your greens books for a couple of years. There's no doubt about it. So high stakes stuff, and uh, the caddy does it well. We're uh, privileged to have him on the show each and every week right here on Real Golf Radio. Well, well done, good stuff, caddy. Thank you, gentlemen. There you go, and there he is, America's favorite caddy. So we sort of revealed. If you want to do your homework, and quite frankly, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to know anyway. But uh, yeah. really good guy, super impressive stuff, and a uh, treat to be able to visit with him each week here on Real Golf Radio. Short break, the show continues next. Callaway's new Apex Irons redefine players' irons. Unmatched feel, distance, and control have been forged to perfection to deliver category-defining performance. Apex Irons are the ultimate forged players' distance iron. Callaway's 360 face cups generate industry-leading distance, unmatched feel, and will get every golfer's attention. Tungsten weighting in each iron fine-tunes launch, trajectory, and delivers tremendous control. See perfection in every shot with the new Apex at your local golf retailer or visit CallawayGolf.com and see what makes Callaway the number one irons in golf. 
at the first tee. Uh, oops. It's the little things in life we pick up. Hey, thank you. That make for a successful future. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. Oh, you dropped this. Because little things can carry a big impact Sorry. both on and off the course. Hey, thanks. To learn more, visit thefirsttee.org. Callaway Senior Director of Brand Management, Dave Neville. What makes Jaws the most aggressive groove in golf? What really grabs the ball where you get the spin from is the edge of the groove. We've been able to make a really, really tight edge radius using some of the proprietary tools that we have. And then in between each groove, we have that groove and groove technology, which are little micro positives that help grab the ball. So you have these 84 contact points on the face to grab the ball and just give you a tremendous amount of spin. Order Jaws today at CallawayGolf.com. Your hands with the grip. They form the connection between you and your club. In a game where feel is so important to playing your very best, great shots begin with a great grip. For every golfer who wants to play better, there's a Lampkin grip. What kind of golf ball are you playing? The one you've always played or the one that can actually help you perform better? Because Chrome Soft is the only ball with a graphene-infused dual soft-fast core to give you the unheard-of combination of crazy long distance that's also incredibly soft. It's why tour guys like Phil Mickelson, Xander Shoffley, and Francesco Molinari keep winning with it. And now Chrome Soft X is available with triple track technology for improved alignment. Get the ball that changed the ball today at CallawayGolf.com. We just changed the putter. Now you need to change yours. A multi-material shaft enabled a radical shift in weight distribution, resulting in a putter designed to improve your actual stroke. Because a better stroke helps make more putts. This is a stroke of genius. Stroke Lab from Odyssey, the number one putter in golf. You're listening to Brian Taylor and Bob Casper talking golf since Jordan Spieth was in first grade. You started it. That's real golf radio. This segment brought to you in part by Callaway Golf and the Chrome Soft and Chrome Soft X. The ball that changed the ball. Chrome Soft X available now with triple track technology. Uh, be sure to get it out there and check it out at CallawayGolf.com. Been playing that ball all year long. It's fantastic. And I love the triple track. People want to look at it and say, how did you do those lines? But um, look, they're already built in for you. There's a reason. There's a science behind it. And I love lining it up. To me, to me, it's helped. So anyway, I like the ball. I still hit it further than most of the guys playing other golf balls. So check it out, CallawayGolf.com. And uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks to the caddy. Uh, how about that, man? The caddy getting some love. Loved the article. You can check it out. I'll tell you a bit more about who he is. We have to, of course, keep him a secret. Yeah, look, he's not a secret. Everybody knows who he is, but um, he's fantastic. He gives some great stories and insights. But he, what he's doing with technology, and, and I asked him the question: What do you think is more important if they if they allow range finders or or having a yardage book? And, and I understand what he's saying. They take in so much more information. Sure, they do into what their shot is rather than what we do. And 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 oftentimes, look, I'm not suggesting that maybe we 
Uh, we should overthink it more because I, I think we probably, as amateurs, overthink it too much. We point that laser at the flag. It says it's 137. Well, okay, and I'm looking at that going, all right, that's a, that's a pitching wedge if it's you know, in the, at the back of the green, if that's mm-hmm. a front pin, it's probably an easy nine iron so that I take it and spin it back. My, the greens I play tend to be a little back to front, um, slope. So, uh, you know, I don't want to come up short. So I, that that's basically all I put into it. Oh, if, is there some winch or, you know, I look at that kind of stuff, but, right. but I don't need to know, carry the bunker, you know, that they know, they want to know cover distance, how far it is to the flag from over the from over the bunker or from the front of the green, uh, they want to know how what how how much is behind. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it for guys on tour, and that's why they have those tour yardage books. I still think, and like the caddy said, they probably if they allowed uh, laser range finders, it probably be one of those things that it would be in addition, right, to what they currently yeah. do. I don't think they're going to abandon the books. The books give that much information. I don't know that I want to see necessarily. Yeah. The group in front of me holding me up because they're reading their yardage book. <laughs> yeah. I think I think if you play the golf course, but to the caddy's point, if you don't know off a particular landmark how far you hit it to the green from that spot, I mean, that's something you ought to figure out. If you play that golf course every week, mm-hmm. you ought to know certain places, what it's going to be certain distances. And I watched a little thing on Golf, golf Life TV. I think is that what they call it these days. Anyway, Tiger's got a little thing going there with his strategy, and he talked about mm-hmm. the mental approach and how he, he breaks down the hole from the green back every time. Yes, yes. And he talks about – Jack Nicholas did it as well. talks about missing it in the right spot. So he puts that back. Okay, here's my shot I went into the green. So here's where I need to hit it. Here's where I can miss it. And he has all that into play. And I thought, you know – there's so much of that that I just don't even think about. I just keep going over and over like, man, this is a really hard tee shot. I got out of bounds left hazard on the right. Don't pull it. <laughs> so what do I do? I hit a big old freaking wild cut into the hazard right, dropping, hitting three. But at least I'm hitting three up there instead of three off the tee. But why am I doing that anyway? Why, why not figure out a strategy to say, here's my shot and here's my miss? And I think that's part of the evolution of the game. And these guys just have – they do it innately. Yeah, they yeah. trained and practiced and all that, and they were coached. But that's just how they approach it. They're just so much more cerebral than and, – and Tiger called it it's an ultimate physical chess match. Yeah. You know, one of the things my dad talked – you know, it's, it's called course management, how guys get their, get their golf ball around a golf course to be able to shoot a, a good score. Early on when my dad was young – uh, and at San Diego Country Club, Ben Hogan came in for a like little exhibition. He was in the day before. He was hitting some, uh, playing the golf course, um, figuring out how he was going to play the golf course for this exhibition. And, and he hit a lot. He would hit. My dad said uh, a shot to the right side of the fairway, down the middle of the fairway, and to the left side of the fairway to figure out which way uh, the green was more accessible to be able to score better, uh, get the ball closer to the hole, have a chance to make birdie or eagle or whatever. So my dad learned early on about course management and how to play a golf course to be able to um, get it around best to shoot your best score. Then the other thing he did is he he stepped off yardages, um, and, and that's the way they did it back then. He stepped off yardages, and he had, he had a scorecard that he wrote down notes on. Um, and... And he would use sprinklers. He would use landmarks like the caddy talked about 
for each golf course that he played. And I can remember going out on tour with him and we'd be riding on the airplane and on, on our way there. And he would be going in his mind, he would be going through each hole um, and where he wanted to hit it um, and that kind of thing to be able to to figure out uh, and and get his mind ready for that golf course. Then he would take that scorecard out of this big box of all these scorecards that he had for that week. He would take that scorecard and, and in the first round, he would be marking off yardages, making sure that those those sprinklers were there. Um, making sure those landmarks were there and he would be walking yardages to to the hole and I would shoot it with a laser um, and we'd come up with the with the right yardage to the the front of the green and and uh, and he was good to go and now Mar- uh, the caddy does yeah. that all for the players yes he does that with with the yardage books with uh, with the surveying equipment that's extremely accurate um, like you said up to uh, a half an inch um, and then, uh, and then with those green book greens books. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing the way things have evolved, especially from the early days when, when the old, older guys like Jack and, and my dad and that kind of thing, um, would pace off their yardages and, uh, use that with their, to be able to shoot their best scores. I used to love those stories too, since we're doing old stories today, which we're going to hear a lot of coming up on the back nine hour. Number two, by the way, Jeff Rude sharing some stories back about uh, Hogan and Nelson and, and that sort of thing. But I love the stories of, of Hogan when he would just have his caddy go out, pace off a yep. certain yardage and just stand there. And Hogan would just hit balls at him. Yep. You know, and you know, you, you think about that and then he'd have him pace it back another 10 yards. And then he basically became his, his moving target. Right. And, uh, and, and he would often do that off, off the side, not even on the driving range. He's off the side yep. a little bit. In fact, I remember seeing that at Augusta. When I first started going 20 years ago, they had that little side practice area on the, as you drive in on the left of Magnolia Lane. They don't yeah. use that anymore no. during the tournament, but that's where I'd see a lot of the caddies were standing there and guys were chipping at them. And that's the last time I really ever saw that. Every tour player back in the, in the 60s, um, every tour player had one of those shag bags with golf balls filled into it, and that's what they used to hit their practice balls when they were out um, on tour or at home when they were practicing. Um, there wasn't an unlimited supply of tour golf balls and the ones that you play for, for you know, and bags of them so that you could go hit them and then they were picked up for you and stuff like that. These guys had their own golf balls that they carried around with them. Yeah, that was uh, different times. Guys are still a little spoiled today, but hey, it's been fun reminiscing to the back in the day. All right, Real Golf Radio continues next. Hey guys, BT here, and Bob and I are two happy customers of Barbecue Pit Stop. I'm absolutely in love with my new Yoder YS640S. This is the most versatile smoker grill I've ever used, and its Wi-Fi makes it a cinch. I feel like a barbecue pit master. Hey, whatever you need from grills and smokers to rubs and sauces, Barbecue Pit Stop has it for you in one of their three locations, Lehigh, Salt Lake, or Layton, or online at barbecuepitstop.com. I'm Bob Casper with the Casby Real Estate Group, where we have more than 40 years of combined real estate experience in Utah. 
We understand that the way people buy and sell is rapidly changing, and life's biggest moves can be a stressful experience. At the Casby Real Estate Group, we provide cutting-edge technology, innovative marketing strategies, and skilled negotiation to help you reach your goals. We care about what you care about, and our most important partnership is with you. That's why I'm with Casby Real Estate Group at iPro Realty Network, where we pride ourselves on life's biggest moves simplified. Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. The new OGO Alpha Convoy golf bags set a new standard for what cart bags should be. The new OGO Shano Fuse 304 stand bag is ultra sleek, but there's nothing simple about it. The OGO Alpha is inspired by tactical military gear and high-performance equipment from the outdoor industry. While the Shadow's integrated design and finest performance materials work seamlessly to deliver absolute efficiency for unmatched performance. Both are in stores now or check it out at OGO.com. This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant. Game changers, even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts. And I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts. No more solution. No no more glasses. Instantly, I could see. There was no pain. It was so easy, and it worked. My only regret was waiting so long. Hoops Vision is world-renowned, and with the latest technology, they give you more options than ever. Do yourself a favor. Go to HoopsVision.com right now and schedule your free consultation. And mention Real Golf Radio and save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Hoops Vision is your key to making sure nothing gets between you and your life focus. It's one of those moments you'll always remember. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Now back to Brian and Bob. Brian and Bob back with you. Thanks for being with us here on Real Golf Radio. That's going to wrap up hour number one of the show. Still to come on the back nine, hour number two. A little nostalgia going back with Jeff Rude, longtime golf writer. I mean, this guy is seriously one of the best in the business. And, you know, it's he reflects on a bit of a dying breed of the golf journalist and the times that he had covering over 100 major championships, including 82 majors in a row. This guy has seen and done a lot in the game of golf. Still out there writing for Morning Read and does a Hawk and Rude podcast as well, but Jeff Rude will join us on the back nine, hour number two. Really looking forward to that conversation. And, and he alludes to some stuff with Byron Nelson, and so it just prompted us that, you know what, we need to, we need to resurrect the Byron Nelson interview. It's not the week of the Byron Nelson but the tour is in the state of Texas, and it is our 20th year, and it's probably our all-time favorite interview that we ever did. So why not? We're bringing yep. it out. You'll hear from Byron Nelson setting up how the Byron Nelson um, Invitational got started, as well as that magical year of 1945 when he won yeah, 18 a, tournaments, including 11 in a row. That was a great question or, or a great uh, interview. We had a chance to talk to him. We uh, asked him a question, and off he went for I think it was 
what, 35 minutes or something like that. Yeah, we condense this down to uh, about 10 minutes for you. So that's all coming up on the back nine, hour number two, next. USA Radio News with John Hunt. Testifying in defiance of President Donald Trump's ban, former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine Marie Yovanovitch told House impeachment officials that Trump himself had pressured the State Department to oust her from her post and get her out of the country. Yovanovitch told lawmakers investigating Trump's dealings with Ukraine that there was a, quote, concerted campaign against her based on unfounded and false claims by people with clearly questionable motives. The diplomat was recalled from Kiev as Rudy Giuliani pressed Ukrainian officials to investigate corruption allegations against Democrat Joe Biden and his son. An aggressive wildfire in Southern California seared its way through dry vegetation and spread quickly as tens of thousands of residents continue to scramble to get out of its way. The blaze broke out in the San Fernando Valley and spread westward, burning its way into the hilly subdivisions on Los Angeles's northern edge as terrified residents grabbed what they could and ran. This is USA Radio News. Hi, I'm Wayne Allen Root. It's time to get in on the 21st century gold rush. I've been a buyer and collector of gold and precious metals for over 20 years. And the reasons to own it are stronger now than ever before in history. The central banks of the world are on a record buying spree. Shouldn't you be too? Do you think maybe they know something you don't? Prices are up $200 per ounce in just the last 60 days. In the last gold bull market, it took four years for gold prices to rise $200 per ounce. This is the beginning of an explosive new 21st century gold rush. Analysts see gold prices rising to between $2,000 and $10,000 per ounce. But who you buy it from may be even more important. Swiss America has been America's most trusted name in gold and silver for over 35 years. Swiss America has bought and sold billions of dollars of precious metals for tens of thousands of clients. You need to know how to capitalize and profit on this next big move. Call Swiss America today and receive a free special report just for my listeners. Call 800 buy coin. That's 800 buy coin or 800-289-2646 or visit online at SwissAmerica.com. The Trump administration and China declared a temporary truce in their 15-month trade war. Yet the grievances that led them to impose tariffs on hundreds of billions of dollars of each other's goods continue to remain unresolved. The administration agreed to suspend a tariff hike of $250 billion worth of Chinese imports that was set to take effect on Tuesday, and China agreed to buy up to $50 billion in United States farm products. Turkish forces faced fierce resistance from United States-allied Syrian Kurdish fighters on the third day of Ankara's offensive in northern Syria. As casualties continue to mount, international criticism of the campaign intensified, and estimates put the number of those who fled the violence at over 100,000. In a complicating twist, Washington said its troops also came under fire from NATO ally Turkey. Turkey said the U.S. was not targeted, and its forces are returning fire after being targeted by Kurdish fighters about a half mile from the U.S. outpost. This is USA Radio News. At the American Veterinary Medical Association and convention in Washington, D.C., I spoke with Dr. John Howe, AVMA president, about One Health. One Health is really a collaboration between physicians and veterinarians or public health officials. For example, in Minnesota, our state public health veterinarian deals with zoonotic diseases, rabies, for example. Animals are sentinels for humans, and humans are sentinels for some infections in animals. There's more valuable information at avma.org. A senior advisor to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is leaving his post. And USA Radio Network's Chris Barnes has more on the story from Washington. 
Michael McKinley is a career diplomat. He has served as ambassador to Peru, Colombia, Afghanistan, and Brazil. But now the Washington Post says he's resigned as the State Department is dealing with low morale from what's being judged as Secretary Mike Pompeo's lack of support for officials who are now caught up in the Ukraine controversy. Pompeo, though, continues to defend President Trump's dealings with Ukraine, including the July phone call with its leader that's now at the center of the impeachment inquiry. I was on the call. I listened to it. It was consistent with what President Trump has been trying to do to take corruption out. I found that to be wholly appropriate to try and get another country to stop being corrupt. Pompeo was speaking to PBS NewsHour. And for USA Radio News, I'm Chris Barnes. Turning to Capitol Hill News, the Democratic congressman is responding to criticism on why the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement has not yet reached the House floor. The Speaker meets with uh, Mr. Lighthouser, the trade rep, and we have a whole task force in Congress that also is working on it, and Ways and Means Committee is working on it. That's Democratic Congressman Josh Gottheimer of New Jersey. The White House is pushing for this as a replacement to the North American Free Trade Agreement, but some Democrats and labor leaders say more work needs to be done to hammer out more worker protections. For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg. Dish TV is better than cable TV. Why? Because you can save 45% on packages compared to your high-priced cable bill. Wow. Take those giant scissors out and cut the cable. And save with Dish TV. Plus, you get a free DVR upgrade to record your favorite shows and free installation. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch TV for free on your mobile device. Act fast. You can save hundreds of dollars. Does your cable company do that for you? Get all the best TV programming at your fingertips at a fraction of the price of cable TV. So say adios, arrivederci, goodbye to the high cable bill, and save up to 45% on Dish TV packages today. These are limited time offers and can change at any time. Call fast. 800-405-2561. 800-405-2561. 800-405-2561. That's 800-405-2561. The second nine, the finishing holes, the closing stretch. It starts now. Here's the back nine, our number two of Real Golf Radio. With the steady stripe it down the middle, make every putt because it's in your blood, Bob Casper, and that better lucky than good handled dragon flipper, Brian Taylor. Here's Brian and Bob. All right, welcome in. It's hour number two, the back nine of Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper with you. Thanks for joining us here. 20 years talking golf with you here on the radio. What a pre- privilege and a pleasure it is to be with you each and every week. You can find us at Twitter, at Real Golf. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Real Golf, as well as, as, well as our website at realgolfradio.com. And you can check us out on Instagram. Facebook, we're there under Real Golf Radio. Just uh, take a take a look there, and uh, as well as all of your podcaster sites. Thanks for accessing the show. Also, welcome in our audience on the Dan Patrick Sirius XM channel two eleven. Always a pleasure to be with you here on hour number two, the back nine of Real Golf Radio. We got a good one for you. Jeff Rude is a good friend of ours and a longtime golf writer. Always uh, a privilege to visit with him. And this one. Kind of about Jeff and his time and the opportunities that he had as a golf writer covering over a hundred major championships. Imagine that, including 82 consecutive. We're talking four majors a year, 
82 consecutive. This guy was everywhere. Bit of an intimidating figure at times. Very opinionated, but also really gracious and appreciative of the opportunities that the game and his job presented him to be around this great game, including some great stories about Hogan and Nelson. And, and of course, that prompted us to bring back one of our favorite interviews of the 20 years that we've been doing Rogue Golf Radio, and that was speaking with Lord Byron Nelson shortly before his passing from that very ranch where he got it all started. Telling us about how the Byron Nelson tournament began. Telling us about how he got ready for that 1945 year and and all that went on with that. Just some tremendous stuff. And I think conversation with uh, Jeff Rude will set a little more context even even so um, for that that interview. And that's why we decided to bring that up. So that's still to come here on the back nine, hour number two. Pretty special stuff, really. We, we love it. Hopefully you enjoy some nostalgia with us. Yeah, it is. It is special. This, Like you said, this has kind of been a nostalgia show. We've talked about... Um, you know, yardage books in today's game and 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 what it was like early on. Um, Jeff Rude um, going to be talking about some great stuff about uh, covering all those uh, major championships. You know, you think about that. We've been on the this is our 20th year uh, with Real Golf Radio and Jeff Rude covered 20 and a half years of majors straight consecutive uh, and over 100. Yeah. So um, pretty interesting, pretty great stuff. Uh, and Jeff is a great guy. Yeah, we'll hear from him coming up next. Thanks for joining us. Brian and Bob with you right here on Real Golf Radio. You love crushing the long ball. Well, so do the pros. That's why they play Callaway, and that's why Callaway is now the number one driver on major tours worldwide. Led by the epic flash with flash face technology, Callaway used artificial intelligence to completely maximize distance and deliver ball speed you didn't even know was possible. Basically, they used crazy science to solve very important things like hitting more bombs. What a world. Go own the tee box like the pros. Build your epic flash driver today at CallawayGolf.com. The new Chrome Soft is better from tee to green. To maximize control, you need a ball with a soft, thin cover. Chrome Soft has a tour urethane cover, which feels incredible. Under the cover is the mantle. The guys in R&D at Callaway have tuned this layer to produce a more penetrating ball flight from 50 to 125 yards. Distance control in the scoring zone is everything. More control means more birdies. And I like birdies. This is the dual soft fast core. So what does it do? It produces ultra low spin off the driver for incredibly fast ball speed yet the core is still soft enough for you to compress the ball off the long irons. It's extremely soft and extremely fast. That's the secret behind Chrome Soft. The new Chrome Soft from Callaway. It's the ball that changed the ball. We just changed the putter. Now you need to change yours. A multi-material shaft enabled a radical shift in weight distribution, resulting in a putter designed to improve your actual stroke. Because a better stroke helps make more putts. This is a stroke of genius. Stroke Lab from Odyssey, the number one putter in golf. At the first tee. We believe a good grip can be the foundation for success both on and off the golf course. We don't just teach golf, we teach life skills. 
and help drive young people to be the next generation of great mentors. To learn more, visit thefirstd.org. Callaway Senior Director of Brand Management, Dave Neville. What makes Jaws the most aggressive groove in golf? What really grabs the ball where you get the spin from is the edge of the groove. We've been able to make a really, really tight edge radius using some of the proprietary tools that we have. And then in between each groove, we have that groove and groove technology, which are little micro positives that help grab the ball. So you have these 84 contact points on the face to grab the ball and just give you a tremendous amount of spin. Order Jaws today at CallawayGolf.com. Now back to Real Golf Radio with Brian and Bob. And this segment brought to you in part by Odyssey, the number one putter in golf. Go to Odyssey Golf when it comes to WGC events, major championships, and the biggest tournaments and tours in the world. More players choose Odyssey than any other putter in golf. Check out Odyssey Golf. Dot com. They also got their custom shop, and then Phil Mickelson, uh, among others, making some noise with this new high MOI stroke lab putter that is Ooh. yet prototype. High MOI stroke lab proto that is uh, being used out there to, to roll the rock. So I uh, imagine we'll be seeing that coming out full release before too long. And uh, Kevin Na, by the way, did not use that particular putter. No. But he did have a Toulon putter in the back, and he yep. was filling it up. What a win oh, for him he, in Vegas last week, huh? He was filling. He was he was feeling good. Didn't play as good in uh, the final round as he did in the the first three rounds, but he was able to hold off Patrick Cantlay in that playoff. Made made that nice putt for par on the 18th hole, and Cantlay missed his. So unfortunately, didn't get the win. But uh, Kevin Na gets gets another one on the PGA tour. That guy's overcome some stuff. You know, you think about it, you know, I mean, for, from the almost had the yips, couldn't even take the club back Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. to the slow play, you know, all the stuff that p- sort of plagued him and he's risen above it. He's overcome it. He, he works on playing fast. He has gotten rid of the, the little yips and he's come on to win here uh, it, twice now in the last, what, six, seven months. So yeah. uh, really cool. And congratulations to Kevin Na uh, for, know- yeah. You know what I love about Kevin Na? I love it when he hits a putt and he's he's walking after it like before the ball goes in the hole. I I love that. I think that's awesome. That's one way to speed things up. Yes, it is. Why circle back and do a big old fist pump and you know roar like Tiger? Just follow that thing into the cup and just take it out just as it lands, man. Yep. Pick it's it awesome. like pick it like it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's good stuff. You know, we we talk about uh, you know Henrik Stenson, who's had to say goodbye to his magical three wood after nine yes. years when he finally caved it in, and he's trying to work through that. And you know, you, you talk about how far he can hit that three wood and how far these things go. And and here's a thought that came to me: Would you rather play a golf course? You know, because again, uh, slow play and the distance and whether the ball mm-hmm. should be rolled back. Johnny brought that up last week again. Um, you know, distance is always a topic. And I got to think, would you rather play a golf course that's too short or too long for you? Now, let me tell you what I'm thinking. So if they're saying that the ball's going so far and that these guys are just hitting driver wedge or it's so long that you can't even hit driver anymore, the the golf course is obsolete. The guys are hitting irons, three woods, hybrids off the tee on par fives, par fours. Uh, would you rather play a golf course like that or would you rather play a golf course that's too long for you? And I thought about 
this whole concept because caddying for your dad in 2005 masters. Mm-hmm. I remember on 14, he ripped a drive for him. Granted he yeah. was 70 years old. He yeah. ripped a drive and he had to hit his five wood, which is his next longest club in the bag and couldn't get home. So he knocked that thing up there just short of the green. He chipped it up there and tapped it in for par. It was a heck of a par. Let me just tell you what that was. Uh, there's not a player in the field wouldn't have taken that all week long, but sure. he couldn't get home on most of the par fours at Augusta at his age with a fairway wood. And mind you, he's playing from the championship tees. So he's playing from the tees where the young guys are playing. Exactly. But that my point is that golf course was too long for him. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so like, if that was the case, and this is obviously one of the greatest of all time, but way past his prime, way late in his years when he doesn't have the speed and distance he once had. Correct. Would, he needed technology. He needed a shorter golf course. He didn't need, need tees moved back, and he didn't need the golf ball rolled back. And I just, it, it didn't look very fun. That's what I'm saying. I would, not, I would rather hit irons off the tee. I'd rather hit a five iron off the tee and a nine iron or eight iron into the green and play around a golf that way than I would hitting driver and hybrid or fairway wood into par fours. And yeah. well, it does become a more enjoyable round of golf when you can, uh, when you can play and and enjoy what you're doing and not feel like it's killing you every every single shot. My dad, my dad often said that the golf course that he won the Masters on in 1970s was definitely not the same golf course in the 80s and 90s. And then it even got worse, you know, when they lengthened it further in the 2000s. So um, it was a golf course that that he didn't enjoy playing in his in his later life, like you said, when he was 70 years of age. Um, but it was a golf course that he enjoyed playing when he was younger, when he was in in his uh, 30s and 40s and that kind of thing. So um, that's another, you know, he was often asked his two favorite golf courses. He would say Augusta National and he would say Cypress Point. Cypress Point, case in point, was a golf is a golf course there in the Monterey Peninsula that's on the ocean, um, and it's a golf course that's not very that's not very long as as in today's standards. Uh, two holes, the ninth hole and the tenth hole, both were holes that were uh, strategic type type of holes that were short three hundred yard par fours, and uh, you know he would hit a a four wood off the tee and hit a wedge into the green. Um, where in, in today's game, guys would just light up a driver, you know, so to speak. But it, it, when you talk about length and when you talk about um, a shorter golf course, um, I think a, go- a shorter golf course is a lot more fun to play. Something you can, uh, that you can hit irons off the tees, like you said. You can hit rescues off the tees or fairway woods off the tees. Or if you want to challenge the golf course a little bit, you can hit driver and, and, and hit those 30 and 40 yard short shots. So um, I, I think I would have more fun traditionally, uh, especially getting older. Yeah. Um, I hear you. I playing feel a shorter you. golf course. Yeah. No so doubt about I, look, it. I think that's something that the USGA has to consider. And I think they do consider that 90% of us probably don't need the ball rolled back. Yes. Distance is not too much for 90% of us, which again opens up that bifurcation discussion. And I think honestly, that makes more sense to me than a complete rollback of technology because this game is already for 90% of us. It's, too hard 
it's not too easy. It's too I hard. Agree. And there are times, sure, Cameron Champ can go out and make it look easy at times, but not every week. Not even the best players in the world make it look easy every single week. Hey, coming up next, Jeff Rude joins the conversation, then Byron Nelson right here, hour number two, the back nine of Real Golf Radio. I'm Bob Casper with the Casby Real Estate Group, where we have more than 40 years of combined real estate experience in Utah. We understand that the way people buy and sell is rapidly changing, and life's biggest moves can be a stressful experience. At the Casby Real Estate Group, we provide cutting-edge technology, innovative marketing strategies, and skilled negotiation to help you reach your goals. We care about what you care about, and our most important partnership is with you. That's why I'm with Casby Real Estate Group at iPro Realty Network, where we pride ourselves on life's biggest moves simplified. Tee it up at Uinta Golf with the new arrivals from Cleveland Golf. Turbocharge your game with the new Cleveland Launcher HP Turbo Driver that delivers more speed for higher, longer, and straighter drives. And the Launcher HP Turbo Irons, which deliver maximum forgiveness, higher trajectory, and increased ball speed for more accurate and longer shots. And the Launcher UHX Irons deliver the perfect blend of distance and accuracy. Let us help you get custom fit for free today at Uinta Golf, home of the 90-day 100% satisfaction guarantee. Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant, game changers even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts, and I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts, no more solution, no more glasses instantly i could see there was no pain it was so easy and it worked my only regret was waiting so long hoops vision is world renowned and with the latest technology they give you more options than ever do yourself a favor go to hoopsvision.com right now and schedule your free consultation and mention real golf radio and save a thousand dollars off your lasik procedure hoops vision is your key to making sure nothing gets between you and your life focus it's one of those moments you'll always remember Hi, fellow sports fans. It's Ned Siegfried. What would we do without sports? Following our favorite sports teams, whether it be the Jazz or the Utes or the Cougs, takes our mind off the many challenges in life. Accidents and their resulting injuries are certainly unexpected challenges that many people are forced to deal with. If you're one of these people, we'd love to talk to you about your situation. Call us at 801-222-2222. We'll talk to you for free. Or visit us at SiegfriedandJensen.com. Now back to Real Golf Radio, talking golf back when 300-yard drives were big. For real, here's Brian and Bob. Welcome back to Real Golf Radio. It's Brian and Bob with you. Thanks for joining us here as usual and uh, really excited to bring on our next guest. He's a guy that's 
been a friend of ours for a long time since we've been doing this show uh, way back in the day. And, you know, I remember the first time when I was reading his stuff and, uh, you know, it, it, he had his column and, uh, you know, hate to be rude and all that kind of stuff. And he kind of came off as intimidating and big, tall guy and, you know, had a stogie in his mouth a lot of times. Just kind of kind of ruled the press room a little bit. Maybe, you know, wanted to intimidate <laughs> some younger guys like uh, like me that were trying to get into the biz. But, you know, when you get to know him, he yeah, sure, he, he's got a little uh, edge to him, but he's he's a big softy is what he is and uh, actually turned out to be a really good friend of mine and really appreciate the association. Pleased to welcome back our good friend. Uh, you can catch him on Morning Read now. He d- uh, does a column that does a column for morning read as well as his hawk and rude podcast he covered over 100 majors in his career including 82 in a row he's one of the legendary golf writers jeff rude hey jeff how are you man well i'm great at least you didn't say you read me when you were a kid so i'm (laughs) I'm thankful for that no well i you know what looking back on it i was kind of a kid i was 26 years old when bob and i took this journey and uh, it's pretty pretty crazy how far it's come. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do remember that. I remember following you and, and uh, seeing you in press rooms. And, you know, you guys would kind of give us a look. And Sal Johnson and some of these guys, like, uh, well, who do these guys think they are? What what they think they can do radio and be in the same building as, as us? And, uh, you know what? But but that's the thing is, I, you know, you guys were real journalists. So, you know, you, you came under that cloth and went through that, that kind of time and era. And I, I've never, ever profess to be a journalist i think that's a different level I've, I've said often that you know we cover the game we're more entertainment in in maybe insightful in some ways but try to promote and love the game but uh, what you guys did i mean and have done for so long i admire and respect well i tell you what i couldn't be more uh well first of all hats off to you guys for uh, 20 years of, of doing great work uh on your show and I couldn't be more grateful for the run that I've had. Uh, you know, my timing was just about perfect. The, the, as we were talking before we uh, came on the air, the, the meat golf media landscape has changed drastically with, uh, you know, uh, newspapers not having golf writers and, and magazines going under and not translating to the, to the internet and, you know, not, not people not traveling to events as much as uh, before. So, uh, I couldn't be, you know, I, I, I mean, I've, I've had a glorious ride and I'm, I'm beyond grateful for it. You know, we've been able to do some really fun things in the game of golf. You know, we, we remember the years of, of going to Morocco for the Santu trophy and, and, and all that kind of thing. It's, uh, like you said, it's been a great ride so far. Yeah. You know, one of, one of my great memories of, of, uh, I, I went to Morocco twice, but one, the first time I went, uh, in the late nineties, I just remember sitting down in Morocco talking with your dad, uh, uh, the legend Billy Casper and, um, uh, who's been one of my favorite people in, in, in golf. Um, and that was a joy. And, and, and another memory I have of, uh, of your dad, the year at Augusta when, uh, uh, VJ and Phil, uh, VJ played behind Phil and, and VJ thought <laughs> Phil was scraping up the greens with his spikes and, and they almost got into it in the champions locker room. So I was scrambling around for eyewitnesses to see who, uh, to see who might've seen that. And, uh, I saw your dad up by the clubhouse and I said, did you see any of that? He goes, yeah, I was sitting right there. He goes, I got a little tense. He goes, I thought I might have to spring into action, um, and break him up. Yeah, I don't know. If, uh, I don't know if Billy's ever done any springing. I'm not sure spring <laughs> is right in his vocabulary. But well, wait, it's funny, Brian. If we're out on a fishing boat and there's a jig strike for tuna, my dad springs into action. Okay, all right. 
You know, I thought you were going to say if we're on a tuna boat and uh, a young, uh, uh, un, with no, a young fisherman with no sea legs gets sick, he springs into action. Because he did stay up all night that time on the tuna boat making sure I didn't fall overboard puking. So yep. I, I do, I do yeah. give him hats off to that one. You know, I, I did a, I did a uh, hate to be rude video with, with Billy, uh, more than one. But one in particular, I remember. I said, you're one of the greatest putters of all time. Give me a putting lesson. And, and he said, I always look at the front of the ball. That way you're, you're accelerating through. And years later, I was playing in Pinehurst. It was after the, uh, I think it was the day after the 2014 U.S. Open there. And uh, I'm playing with a, a, a guy who was a member at a club across town, um, Forest Creek. And uh, he said, yeah, I putt. Uh, uh, he goes, uh, I look at the front of the ball when I putt. I go, where'd you get that from? He goes, I got it from you and Billy Casper. I go, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, so somebody was watching. Jeff Rude joining us here on Real Golf Radio. You, you talk about these 100-plus majors you've covered, all the great stories that you've been involved with. As you look back on it, what stands out? I mean, you talk about the cool thing with, with Bob's dad, and I certainly treasured the time I got to spend with him. But you, you were there, sat down with, with all of the legends. What are some of the ones that you still just kind of go, you know what, that was really cool? Well, the, I think I had the last interview with Ben Hogan. So that was, uh, I've, I've written about this over the years. That was, that, was, that was interesting. It was in early 1992. He had not done many interviews. It was the year that Hogan and, and Byron Nelson were, were and Sneed, Sam Sneed, uh, returning 80. And, I was at the Dallas Morning News, and Hogan uh, agreed to do an interview. So, and uh, so I went over to Fort Worth, went to his office, uh, made sure I told him I was playing Hogan Irons when I walked in. He seemed to like <laughs> that. And, and uh, um, you know, the first question I asked him was, uh, you know, what does a guy like you who has everything want for his 80th birthday? He looked at me for eight seconds, shook his head, and said. I can't answer that question. And, uh, you know, keep in mind, I stayed up late and talked to a lot of people to come up with this brilliant list of questions. Second question I asked him, uh, I said, uh, you know, you turn, uh, you, you've accomplished so much in the game. What, what accomplishment, what achievement means the most to you? He looks at me for eight seconds, shakes his head. And I said, I can't answer that question either. Um, and the third question was, well, do you, I know hitting, hitting a golf ball was your favorite thing in life. Do you still go out to Shady Oaks and, and hit balls? What's your relationship with hitting a golf ball these days? And he looked at me for, uh, uh, he said, well, I've, I've, I've played uh, very little golf since the wreck. And I was probably sitting 20 feet. He's behind his desk, and I was sitting 20 feet in front of him. I scooted my chair, and I looked him in the eye, and I said, now, Ben, are we talking about the wreck in 1949, or is there one that I missed recently? He goes, no, the one in 1949. Now, I looked down at my notebook. There was nothing on my notebook except the sweat dripping from my forehead. <laughs> he, had, he, 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 he granted 15 minutes, and, I, and the sands of the hourglass were speeding through. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there you know, sweating like Albert Brooks in broadcast news, Niagara Falls. I mean, I'm just, you know, I got 15 minutes with Hogan and I just burned about two. And, uh, and, and it was a guardian angel moment in my life. Guardian angel landed on my shoulder. And for whatever reason, uh, I stopped looking at my brilliant list of questions and said, uh, just kind of threw up my arms and said, well, do you miss hitting balls? And all of a sudden the, the heavens opened and the neon lit up and, and the guy couldn't get to talk couldn't stop talking. Oh, did I ever, do I miss hitting balls? Yeah. It was a, 
it was my life. It was, I would go out there and prove and disprove and there was never enough daylight. And I'd be in my hotel room, chipping balls up against the, a chair and uh, thump, thump, and the front desk clerk called and said, Mr. Hogan, stop all that thumping. You're waking up your neighbors. And he went on and on about, uh, you know, his, his, uh, and, and I, I was such a dummy that I didn't, that the lesson didn't strike me until probably a year later that no matter who you're interviewing, make sure you, you talk to them about their passion. Um, yeah. If you're interviewing, uh, you know, Donald Trump, ask him, what about the shiny skyscrapers uh, turns him on? If you're interviewing, um, you know, Amalda Marcos, better ask her, what about high heels turns her on? And, and, and Hugh Hefner, what about 24-year-old blonde turns him on? And, <laughs> and, and, and so forth. I mean, you, you better go to the passion. And when you do, and I think that's one of the reasons I had a decent relationship with DJ Singh, because I would... Uh, you know, I'd go up on the range and say, Hey, big daddy, what are you working on? And he, he liked talking about his craft. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. Um, you're talking about Ben Hogan. We had a chance to sit down with Sam Snead, um, early on and talk with him about, uh, about his career. And, uh, Brian asked him the question about that year when he won 18 times and he goes, talking about Byron though, not Sam Byron, not Byron Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Not Sam Snead. And, and he goes, let me take you back to the year before. And 35 minutes later, we uh, we had this great interview at, that we still replay to this day of uh, of Byron Nelson and that year that he won eighteen times. Yeah, what a, what a beautiful man! I was I was very fortunate as the golf writer in Dallas where he lived to be, become a friend of his and to spend uh, you know a fair amount of time with him. And, and that year, I was the golf writer there in '95, the 50, 50th anniversary of the streak. And I remember we sat down at the Four Seasons uh, TPC Las Colinas in the clubhouse, and you know we were going to go through all eleven straight. Um, and his memory was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things he said was, you know, he said, you know, it's a bigger deal now than it was when I was actually doing it. And and a few months later, uh, they brought in uh, people from the eleven clubs where he won the eleven straight and a pro and in three or four amateurs and, and, uh, Judd McSpadden, who was Byron's closest friend on tour, they were the gold dust twins, uh, told me that he said when Byron was winning 11 in a row, he didn't even know what was going on. And that he was his closest friend. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I think in, in 95, the 11 in a row probably was a bigger deal than it was in 45. Yeah, and he kind of alluded to that to us uh, at the time, right? That, uh, people weren't really paying attention until he got, you know, like what, seven, eight in a row or something know, like that. Something like that. Yeah. He, nobody even asked him about it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty interesting. Hey, uh, what's your Jeff Rude joining us by the way, right here on Real Golf Radio? What What's your current uh, take on 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 the game today? What What, what kind of you know, I mean, obviously, you know, having seen so much and, uh, you know, you've mentioned some of the greats that you've been able to talk about. What, what about today? What about, you know, you got Brooks Kepka doing his thing and, you know, how, how long can he be dominant? Because just a couple of years ago, it looked like Jordan Spieth was going to be that guy. And, you know, Tiger's bouncing in and out of here a little bit. Uh, what, what's your kind of take on, on, on the way the game is right now? And does it get you as excited as some of the times of the past? It does. Yeah. I, I think the game's in good hands. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, Matt Roy or McElroy's 30 and Kepka's 29 and get all those kids from the high school class of 2011 with Justin Thomas and Spieth and, and, uh, uh, the game keeps, uh, seems to be uh, getting younger. I mean, 
uh, you know what, Matthew Wolf won at 20 yeah. and, and, uh, or a comma one and, and Victor Hovland looks like a world beater. And the kid from Chile was, uh, Neiman was, is what 20 when he won. And, yep. um, I mean, since July 4th, a bunch of kids, you know, 2021, 20, 22 have won. Uh, and then, you know, Cameron champ won again, uh, you know, uh, about a year after he, uh, won as a rookie and he carries it what? 350 in the air, right. you know, hits his eight, eight iron, 200 yards. So, um, no, the game, and then, and then you've got, you know, uh, and then you have the sidebar of, you know, what's, what's Tiger going to do. And we, we saw that perfect storm where he won the masters, uh, this year. And, and now the question is what, what's, what does he have left in the tank? So there's, there's that too. So no, the game's good. And it's there probably never been a better time to play the game. Uh, green fees are lower because of, you know, the, the golf nows of the world and the, you know, you can buy equipment cheaper. And, um, so I think for the consumer, it's great. And I think for the golf fan, it's great. I think, I think that the, and we were talking about this before we went on the air, uh, you know, one of the, and I, I don't, and I don't know if the powers that be really comprehend this, the PGA of America, the tour and, and, and USGA and so forth, the storytelling will never be this what it used to be. You know, we're, we're out of the golden age of journalism, you know, with magazines and newspapers and every newspaper used to have a, a golf writer and so forth. And so I think the fabric of the game, the fabric of the game, you know, the, the, where the, the local newspaper would have stories about uh, the touring pros in their town or, yeah. you know, or, or big golf events in the town. And, and so, uh, that saddens me and what's happened to the media landscape saddens me. Um, and, but I go back to being grateful for the ride that I had. My timing is just about perfect. Yeah. Jeff yeah. Root, our guest. Sorry, good, Bob. No, go ahead. Jeff Root, our guest here on Real Golf Radio. So uh, talk about uh, where we can find you now. And for those that are listening, that are fans, where, where, where can we get more Jeff Root? Well, you can find me on the first tee at the Orange Street Golf Club every morning about 1045. I like uh, it. Yeah. Um, uh, morning, yeah, morning read. We, uh, John Hawkins and I do a Friday column, a little short column. We ask a question and each of us give our take and, and then we do our podcast, which is a morning read. And it's also on iTunes. And, uh, you know, we've had, uh, uh, you know, in the slower part of the year, like, like now the fall season, we have more guests on. We had Lee Trevino on recently who knocked it out of the ballpark. We had Dewey Tomko on who's played for more than a million dollars a hole, uh, the legendary, uh, uh, poker player and, 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 and gambler. And, uh, some of his stories were, uh, were amazing. I would, I would, uh, uh, I would suggest your readers maybe go listen to that because, uh, hang on to your hat. It's unbelievable. <laughs> some of his stories. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, you do a great job and, uh, we appreciate always the opportunity to visit with you and miss seeing you out there. We're not out as much as we used to, but, uh, sometimes we, we catch up to you. Sometimes we don't. So anyway, always a pleasure to have you on the show, Jeff, really appreciate it. And hopefully I'll catch you at 1045 on orange tree. One of these days, <laughs> you guys can be my guest anytime you're in Orlando. Uh, so. I look forward to that. Hey, thanks, thanks so much, Jeff. All right, guys, thanks. You got it. Jeff Rue joining us right here on Real Golf Radio. Short break, more of the show coming up next.
This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant. Game changers, even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts. And I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts. No more solution. No more glasses. Instantly, I could see. There was no pain. It was so easy, and it worked. My only regret was waiting so long. Hoops Vision is world-renowned, and with the latest technology, they give you more options than ever. Do yourself a favor. Go to HoopsVision.com right now and schedule your free consultation. And mention Real Golf Radio and save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Hoops Vision is your key to making sure nothing gets between you and your life focus. It's one of those moments you'll always remember. And here's Ricky on 12. What a comeback it's been for him today. Pin placement is a little tricky. We're seeing something. Uh, something is getting closer. Holy. What the? <clears throat> and that'll cost him. It can be dangerous to drive while distracted. Yet at any daytime moment, almost 660,000 drivers across the country are using electronic devices while they drive. Join me and commit to always driving distraction-free. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. The new OGO Alpha Convoy golf bags set a new standard for what cart bags should be. The new OGO Shadow Fuse 304 stand bag is ultra sleek, but there's nothing simple about it. The OGO Alpha is inspired by tactical military gear and high-performance equipment from the outdoor industry. While the Shadow's integrated design and finest performance materials work seamlessly to deliver absolute efficiency for unmatched performance. Both are in stores now, or check it out at OGO.com. Callaway's new Apex Irons redefine players' irons. Unmatched feel, distance, and control have been forged to perfection to deliver category-defining performance. Apex Irons are the ultimate forged players' distance iron. Callaway's 360 face cups generate industry-leading distance, unmatched feel, and will get every golfer's attention. Tungsten weighting in each iron fine-tunes launch, trajectory, and delivers tremendous control. See perfection in every shot with the new Apex at your local golf retailer or visit CallawayGolf.com and see what makes Callaway the number one irons in golf. You're listening to Brian Taylor and Bob Casper talking golf since Jordan Spieth was in first grade. You started it. That's real golf radio. Welcome back to Real Golf Radio, presented by Callaway Golf. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Jeff Rude and his conversation there. And again, got a little nostalgic, and it reminded us, you know, of our conversation with Byron Nelson. We wanted to bring that back for you. It's been 20 years since we've been doing Real Golf Radio. This is our all-time favorite interview that we were able to do, and we've condensed it down to about 13 minutes when he takes us through some really neat stuff. Here's Lord Byron Nelson shortly before his passing. I started caddying at Linden Garden Country Club at Fort Worth when I was 13. And uh, I liked the game from the very start. I never, I'd been a country boy, and my people, my people were farmers. And uh, when we moved to town, I'd never heard the name of golf. See, golf was, all, golf was very small in those days. And uh, I'd never heard the name of golf and found some of my friends had an extra dime a quarter to spin, which you didn't have those days and times was to, to just go out and spin. And uh, so I found out they had one. I found out 
that they had in Lid Garden, so I went over and got my name on the list, and they had more cats than them than did, uh, did players. <laughs> but I loved it right from the start. Well, that's tremendous. Obviously, uh, it loved you as well. And, it, you know, in 1945, I alluded to it a minute ago, you won 11 straight tournaments and 18 times that year. Can you describe your attitude or your frame of mind during that time and that year? Well, let me break you up just a little bit ahead of that. I had a good year in 44. I, I think there's 22 tournaments or something like that or more, and I won eight. Wow. Okay, and I finished well in my I, I don't think I ever finished worse than 10th or the, all year. And then so uh, I found out doing the inventory of what I did in 1944. Uh-huh. And there wasn't anything there very serious about anything, except for going through that I found careless shot, more than uh, careless shot, careless shot. Not, not all the time, but more than any other one thing, and chip poorly, chip poorly. And that was the only question in the whole year about the way I played. <laughs> right. So I made, an, I made my New Year's resolution uh, from D.C. The, the last one, the 18th that year, was at Lynn Garden, where I started as a caddy, mm. called Fort Worth Open, and it was two weeks before Christmas. So <clears throat> the weather was cold, the greens frozen, a few things like <laughs> that. But anyway, uh, so uh, I made up my mind then, from then to the time I went to California, that <clears throat> I was not, I was not going to play a careless shot, and I'd go work on my chipping a little bit. Right. All right, that's what led into 45. Wow. In 44, I'd, I shot, I'd average the lowest score, 69.67. That was a record at that time. And now that in 45, then, the total for the year was 68.33. So that's a stroke of a third per round. It don't sound like much, but that's five for a tournament. That's huge, and, yeah. And you're playing, you're playing well. Why you're going to be somebody when you yep. do that? You bet. So that that started my year. My game was such I was playing very comfortably. I wasn't particularly working on anything in my game, except being careful about uh, not rushing. I'm not. I'm not talking about in the swing. I mean, getting in a hurry, walk right. too fast, and so forth. So uh, uh, I just played very easily, very methodically, and very. I had, I developed a great rhythm early in the year. Of course, my rhythm was always pretty good, but I developed a great rhythm in thinking that way, and that's why I was I played so consistently. You know, back about the winning that many and what it was, what it was. You know, when I when I won fifth in a row, why there's a little piece about one paragraph in the papers hmm. about the fact that nobody had won over four. So I won five. Now, it didn't bother me. I wasn't playing to win another tournament. I was playing hole by hole by shot by shot by tournament by tournament. And I'd school myself on that. And I didn't say, well, I've won six, I've got to win 70. Or I won eight, can I win eight? And there was very little said about it until the PGA at 45 at Bahrain and Dayton. That was a major tournament. I tied for the medalist at 67. Uh, with John Revolta, and uh, so then I had some very good and very difficult matches at a great field, and I finally won. I finally won that tournament by beating uh, Sam in the finals. Right. Normally, if you could, I know you could you believe this, Bob. There was so little press people, one or two, or sometimes a three. The first time I won the Masters, I was really interviewed 
once. That was by O.B. Keeler from the Atlanta Journal. Huh. And then, of course, he is covered for Associated Press. Right. Well, when when I won that, there was six press for the PGA Championship. And so when I, after I finished, I had many things written about in the paper and things. And when I finished, I'd won the tournament. Then, of course, next I went to the interview room and uh, the six men and I interviewed with them. And they said, you know, this is the ninth tournament you won in a row. And I said, I'm glad you guys know it. I nobody else knew so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, we laughed about it and stuff. So they wrote quite a bit about it. And that's when they started about the in a row thing. Right. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, it was. Just, it, it never did become a bother till I began getting tired along about the 12th of when I lost. And that, of course, Freddie Haas beat me. Yeah. And matter of fact, he and I had a conversation on the telephone just a few months ago. And uh, we were talking about something business work, talking about that. He ended up saying, you remember that term with you? Uh, remember Memphis? And I said, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> and and he's, I was paired with him the last round. But being tired with him and him leading me four shots, got my uh, adrenaline going again. And, and I, I just about caught him. And then I hit, hit the pin and the bounced off the ditch and stuff, or t- water, whatever it was, at the 12th hole. And uh, uh, I made double bogey, and so that put him back to four. Sure. And he said, "If if you had hit that flagstick on that hole, said I, I you people not knowing, but I, I you'd about had to be gone." <laughs> <laughs> He'll tell you that now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Byron, tell me what your motivation was that year. I know that you had kept a diary and and were were checking on the money that. And that's documented the money that you made. But well, weren't you trying to weren't you trying to buy a farm or a ranch or something? Yes, I was. I'm sitting here right right now. I'm the same place I bought. Wow. At Road Oak, Texas. I've uh, I had raised the country. I liked the country. I didn't uh, I didn't mind the cities. I don't mean that. But I wanted to be out. So, but my my thought was this. I wanted to win more tournaments than anybody. I won in a row, but yet I did not focus on that. I really focused on each course, each tournament, each stroke, a whole of time. I learned to do that early in my career because I started, like a lot of young players do, thinking too much ahead of time. Right. And uh, by the time that time comes, why well, you're already lost. But uh, my swing was very comfortable, and uh, I just had a desire to win every important tournament in the United States at least once, including all majors. Those were my goals. Also, my main goal was to make extra money to buy and pay for this place because even my total that year, as good as it was, as great as it was, I made $52,000. Wow. And you know, it doesn't seem possible, does it? Wow. But I had goals earlier. I wanted to become uh, a prominent player. I wanted, number one I wanted to do was to be a decent sort of man. I wanted to, I was a Christian. I'd, I raised in the Church of Christ by my wonderful parents, and I have continued to do that. And I think because of the actions that I made and the things that I have not done, have allowed me to uh, be to have the respect of not only the golfers but of the people that I have today. Absolutely. Lord Byron Nelson, our guest, tell us about your decision to leave the game at such an early age. Seems like you were right in your prime and, and decided to walk away. Not many guys can do that. Well, I don't think they can, but the thing that, you know, the other thing that I didn't, I hadn't said for you, I was really still was not making much money then at all, and I wanted to do some other things. I wanted to get into other other some other ways. 
I had desires, almost a desire to be an account executive uh-huh. and stuff like that. But, of course, I didn't have enough education. I only went to the ninth grade, and I had no background in that. So uh, I started then. The thing that was good, it's the best thing you ever had to me because, look, I would not have been on the television. I was the first man that's on television regularly as a commentator, mm-hmm. a, a pro commentator. I started I started really in 1960. Right. But then I went under contract with, I did freelance, say, uh, radio and TV. Mm-hmm. And went with ABC with Rune Arledge and Chris Schickel. In 1963, under contract when Nicholas won the PGA here in Dallas at DAC. And I was with him 14 years until 1977. And uh, the thing that that did was when they started the tournament, the Dallas Open would be, you got, you got some time? Oh, yeah, we're fine. Go you ahead. Well, well, the Dallas Open had played one golf course, one down, one done, another golf course. And so they never had any continuity our people who who run the tournament, somebody do it one year and somebody else the next, somebody the next, sure. and it, it was a failure. And uh, so uh, I had, of course, left the tour now and uh, and uh, was uh, doing some television work and radio work here and writing with a ghost writer in the Dallas Times-Herald. So I would made millions of people that asked me questions, why is the Dallas tournament so, oh, such a failure? And I quoted just the things I just already said to you, but it's just what was going on. Yeah. So I said it needs to be tied to something other than the Dallas Open. It's going to have to be at some place where that they have the same continuity. You could build continuity of people that are working on the tournament. When you go to what well, you go to DAC one year, you go to Brook Hall another year, you go to uh, Lake Lakewood another year. You keep going around, and uh, there's no continuity to it. So I told them that, and so uh, the Sailmanship Club that sponsored our tournament, they had been sponsoring things and raising money to work with delinquent children from 1922. So they were doing a great job of what that money they had. So in 1967, they sponsored the Dallas Open the first time in 1967, and it was at Oak Cliff Country Club. Earl Stewart was a pro there, a good player, and he won the tournament. Well, uh, I had been, now I had built a Preston Trail with the great architect Ralph Plummer, and it was a good golf course. And so in about a couple of three months after the tournament, why one day W.L. Todd and Phoenix McKnight and three other men, but W.L. Todd and Phoenix called me uh, from Dallas. And said, Byron, yes, it's told me, and we got something we want to talk to you about. We know you're home. We want to see you right now. We're on our way, okay? <laughs> I said, sure. So they came out, pulled up, and came in and sat out, and we started talking. And they said, you know, Preston Trail, you hit Bill Preston Trail. It's a good golf course. And so forth. We talked about that and so forth. And then they said, uh, we've been talking to them about playing the Dallas Open there all time. And I thought, oh, well, that's great because it's a good golf course and it'd be a one one golf course and it's a, uh, said the only thing about it, it's a bend on the golf course. So they said there's one other, one other thing we have to have and uh, we want to call it the Byron Nelson Classic. So that's how it came about. So I was just flabbergasted. I was <laughs> honored so I could hardly speak. 
So that's the way the term started. Wow. In the fall of 67, when they made the announcement, they had, they had a big party downtown Dallas, and Governor Conley was there, who was a great governor, a man that got shot along with Kid Kennedy did. Uh, Hogan was there. Demerit was there. My mother was there. First time she'd ever been to one of those parties. Sammy Davis and <laughs> Lynn Campbell were the wow. entertainers. Wow. How about that? So they really kicked it off. And I tell you, we make, our tournament makes 10% of all the tour money on charity. All right, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Byron Nelson from back in the day, our all-time favorite interview in 20 years of doing Real Golf Radio. We'll continue next. Thanks for joining us here on Real Golf Radio. Hey guys, BT here, and Bob and I are two happy customers of Barbecue Pit Stop. I'm absolutely in love with my new Yoder YS640S. This is the most versatile smoker grill I've ever used, and its Wi-Fi makes it a cinch. I feel like a barbecue pit master. Hey, whatever you need from grills and smokers to rubs and sauces, Barbecue Pit Stop has it for you in one of their three locations, Lehigh, Salt Lake, or Layton, or online at barbecuepitstop.com. Hi, it's Ned Siegfried. Siegfried & Jensen has been around a long time. We've been handling injury cases for over 30 years. During this time, Siegfried & Jensen has had the privilege of helping tens of thousands of Utahns. If you've had the misfortune of being injured in an accident, we'd love to help you as well. To talk to us for free about your situation, call us at 801-222-2222 or visit us at SiegfriedJensen.com. I'm Bob Casper with the Casby Real Estate Group, where we have more than 40 years of combined real estate experience in Utah. We understand that the way people buy and sell is rapidly changing, and life's biggest moves can be a stressful experience. At the Casby Real Estate Group, we provide cutting-edge technology, innovative marketing strategies, and skilled negotiation to help you reach your goals. We care about what you care about, and our most important partnership is with you. That's why I'm with Casby Real Estate Group at iPro Realty Network, where we pride ourselves on life's biggest moves simplified. Tee it up at Uinta Golf with the new fall arrivals from Mizuno. Discover layers of feel with the new MP20 range. The MP20 is the ultimate muscle back. The MP20 MMC uses multi-material construction for legendary feel and performance. And the MP20 HMB is a playable set of hollow tungsten enhanced irons for many skill levels. Let us help you get custom fit for free today. Uinta Golf, home of the 90-day 100% satisfaction guarantee. The new OGO Alpha Convoy golf bags set a new standard for what cart bags should be. The new OGO Shano Fuse 304 stand bag is ultra sleek, but there's nothing simple about it. The OGO Alpha is inspired by tactical military gear and high-performance equipment from the outdoor industry. While the Shadow's integrated design and finest performance materials work seamlessly to deliver absolute efficiency for unmatched performance. Both are in stores now or check it out at OGO.com. Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Now back to Brian and Bob. Special thanks to Jeff Rude joining us here on the back nine, hour number two, and then hope you enjoyed 
that conversation with Byron Nelson. Wow, that's fun. Uh, sure miss that guy. What a great guy. And yet, you know, listening to Jeff, you, you remember that as nice of a guy as he is, he still had that competitive fire in him. That still burned in him, especially against his rival Ben Hogan, huh? Yeah, that was pretty fun to listen to those stories by both those guys, um, especially Lord Byron Nelson. I, I, I love that interview. It was one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, really cool stuff. Uh, hope you enjoyed it as well. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter, at Real Golf. Love to have you join the conversation and be part of a, the, our, our family as well there, at Real Golf on Twitter. That'll do it for us. Again, thanks to the caddy who joined us in hour number one as well. For our producer, Dave Glauser and Bob Casper, I'm Brian Taylor. We'll see you next week, and thanks for joining us here on Real Golf Radio. Thanks for listening to Brian and Bob on Real Golf Radio. Join us on Twitter at Real Golf or on our website at realgolfradio.com.